Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You know what my favorite text is? A Waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Brent, I appreciate the. You got your hunter orange wedding ring on today. I am. That way you don't get shot walking through the woods. Welcome <laughs> to the Bear Grease Render. This is a I, this is this is our Christmas episode. Oh, did you guys know it? I did. Where's my present? This is this is the Christmas episode. It's great to have everybody. We've got a great group of people today. We're Do actually going to we have. We're, 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 there is one very special guest, surprise guest, surprise Christmas guest. That's going to be coming in here in just a minute. Oh, but uh, oh, and here she comes now. <laughs> Juju Newcomb. Hey, Yay! Juju. It's an right. official, is this making an official All tradition right. since Bear, it's the second year in a Juju row? Juju, your headset. This is my mother, Juju Newcomb. She just has a small Christmas message for all of us. She's brought what? What do you? What have you brought us, Juju? The Christmas cookies I bring every year. Okay. Except I do have to admit. I had a little help this year. Okay. My sister Cindy told me how good the Sam's decorated Christmas cookies were. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and I had a busy, busy week, but I didn't want to mm. forget that it's Christmas and we got to celebrate a little bit with cookies. Okay. So the, the next best thing was nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we have a beautiful plate. Brent, why don't you describe these cookies? We've got white and 
green tree shaped cookies that are decorated with icing and little sprinkles. I liked how my mom brought those in a plastic box, <laughs> yes. took them in my house, and then put them on a Christmas plate and put cellophane over them. <laughs> it just yeah, looks better. It just looks better. Okay, Juju, uh, your Christmas message. What would you like well, to say to the Bear Grease people? I just want to say I can't believe it's been a year. I remember last year Bailey was with us Bailey and was she here, yeah. gave such a sweet little message. I was hoping she'd be here today. Mm-hmm. I just want to wish everybody Merry Christmas and just I love reading y'all's comments to Clay. <laughs> she I, is very protective <laughs> of me. <laughs> yes. What no, I especially <laughs> love is when you mention your kids and how you're happy that, that, that Clay can do a podcast that the kids can listen to, yeah. and I just think that is super. So, yeah, Merry Christmas. I hope you all have a great Christmas to celebrate with your families. Thank you, Juju. Thank you. Excellent. She reminded me of this is a, a review that I saw today. This <laughs> off of iTunes? Yeah, we need to pray for this guy because apparently he died in the middle of it. It says, both shows are great. I hope country life sticks around. I <laughs> dot, dot, dot. It. But he gave us five stars before he died. <laughs> That's it. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Juju. Thanks, Thank you, Juju. Juju. Thank you, Juju. Hey, pass those around. Pass the cookies around. Green. Okay, so Green we have Brent Reeves here from the This Country Life podcast. Brent, I'm going to come back to you and I want to talk about the Meteor Live shows that you were just on. Cool. I hear you were a big hit. We have uh, a very special guest. He's been on here a couple times. Mm-hmm. Bear John Probably Newcomb. the greatest hunter I know. <laughs> yeah, me too. This yeah, is my favorite sure. Newcomb hunter right here. <laughs> you know how I describe when I'm trying to tell people about Bear? I'm like, if you turned me and Bear loose in the same woods with a bow and said, you know, the guy yeah. who kills a deer first wins a car. Right. Like. <laughs> You're walking home. I mean, I'd probably be walking home. Yep. Yeah. I, I was at school <laughs> the other day talking to Bear, and he was. He was like, "Did you hold on? Did you hear that beep?" Yes. Mm-hmm. People have accused me of that being a microwave going on. <laughs> <laughs> He's heating up a burrito. <laughs> no, that's not a microwave. For some reason, my uh, my my computer beeps. My, oh. my so carry on though, Josh. The I was talking to Bear the other that. day, and and uh, he's got one tag left, right, Bear? Yep, one doe tag. One doe tag, and he said, "I'm going to take it with a traditional bow, mm-hmm. a self bow." And he he found a good spot. But he concocted this scenario that I thought that will never work. <laughs> I, I, you know, I tried to be supportive, but right. I was like, "That'll never work." He comes back the next day. Well, that's yeah. why he's here. Later, he's going to tell us what happened. The, so, mm-hmm. what? Did, what's the title of this of this method? The scent pouch, scent bundle, scent, the scent bundle. bundle. Bear has a new strategy. We're going <laughs> to yeah. talk about. Have you heard the this? Scent Have you bundle. heard this? No. I mean, oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bear John's here. Two Bear John's left. Colby Moorhead, Bear Honey Magazine, the man. Yep, thank you, thank you. Welcome. Good to be here. You've been on. You've been on here several times. Yep. So, Colby. Uh, so, for eight years before I worked for Meat Eater, I owned and operated Bear Honey Magazine, the world's only print Bear Honey Magazine. Been mm-hmm. in print for over twenty three years. Colby w- worked with me for several years and yep. pretty much was running the magazine for me. And then when I went to Meat Eater, Colby now owns. Just miraculously, just like bam, <laughs> I, we don't even know how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Colby now owns and operates Bear Honey Magazine. <laughs> yes, sir. Which is which uh, we gave a little plug last week for Full Cry. Oh yeah. So yeah. now this week it's Bear Honey Magazine. Sir. I like it. 
Now you need to subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine. It's just it's got great. all types of bear mm-hmm. hunting across the country, outfitters, Amen. all kind of stuff. It's yep. great. Take Good to have you, Colby. Cool stuff. Good to be here. Yep. To Colby's left, Josh Lambridge, spillmaker. Great to see you. everyone. Josh is the fashion, the fashionista of the Bear Grease podcast. <laughs> I wish it was me. I mean, you're wearing a like a howler shirt with the yeah, little got some embroidery on the shoulders. Yeah, a little embroidery. I mean, you just always look cool. Well, I mean, you are wearing muck boots. Though. <laughs> muck boots covered in deer brains. Yeah. Okay. Well, you look good, Josh. You're looking good. Yeah. To Josh's left, Gary Believer Newcomb, which it's very important. That's usually here. But it's very important that he's here today because on this episode of the, the Render, which if you're new to this, you know, the Render is when we talk about the podcast that just came out. And we did something this week that we have never done in the history of Bear Grease. Is we, yeah, you basically we, took a vacation. We re-ran a classic, Josh. <laughs> That's what it's Brand called. too. Re-ran a classic. last mm-hmm. week. Or week um, before. So we're going to talk about the... The ripples, the ripples in the in the world that happened when episode one of Bear Grease hit the hit the hit the planet. So, um, Brent, you went to the live show, Kansas City. How was it? The green room there, a lot better than this one. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Here, here's okay. what I'm gonna say. This one's got Christmas cookies. When they said. Uh, You'll go back here. I was talking with Chester, and Chester's like. Chester Floyd, Chester's like, come back here, man. The green room's back here. We're going to chill back here before the show and everything. And there's coffee, tea, cookies, an assortment of nuts. What's one of them? What's that crazy tray name that's got charcuterie charcuterie board? Yeah, I'm scared to say that. Anyway, (laughs) that thing's on there. Okay. You come up here to the world headquarters. If you're thirsty, you better have brought some water with you. Or... Misty will make coffee and Why? bring it out here. How did this turn into a, you need a coffee a, pot? A backhand. A coffee pot is what we need out here is what I'm saying. Okay. It's three okay. years, man. Well, <laughs> let me give you some advice. Thank you. This is the first time anybody's ever even suggested it. Have you not seen the suggestion box? No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Okay. But that that's it. Other than all the negative things that are happening here, how was the live show? Oh, the live show was great. It was wonderful. I'm still in the green room. It was good, man. It was so much fun. You know, and I we get to talk to people occasionally, you know, through social media that, that listen to the show. But to be able to look at them in the eyeballs and, and talk to them, it was just, it was a lot of fun. How many people do you think were there? I was over two thousand. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Huge auditorium. Yes, yeah, big. It was. Um, I want to think the seating capacity was like twenty three hundred, and when I when it wasn't a hundred percent sellout, but it was like individual chair, individual seats here and scattered out. It was wow. maybe ten seats left out of that thing. Wow! It was it was really it was a lot of fun. And they had you tell the story. Yeah, Brent told me he was like right before the show. Ranella was like, "Hey Brent, why don't you tell that story about that that crackhead that was painting a red car in his garage?" Yeah. And Brent was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like of everything that Steve has ever heard come out of Brent's mouth or heard about Brent, or I don't even know if he heard you tell that story. Yeah, I told. I think I told that to him on the first time I was on the on his podcast. Okay, and and yeah, and Brent was like. 
Okay. <laughs> That's the story that you want to hear. But yeah. So why don't you tell that one to us? <laughs> he, he digs it. That was, uh, you mean to tell just, it? Just like, Conden- tell it just like. Here's a condensed version of Yeah, yeah, yeah. U.S. Marshals had a warrant for a guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a big methamphetamine distributor. And they had tracked him down to a rural farmhouse in Bradley County. And they contacted us. Our team goes down there. We split up, hit the house. And it's like. I can't remember. It's like one or two o'clock in the morning, and we split up into two teams. One hits the house, one hits a, a garage that there was a light on, and that was the one that I went on. And we went in and we opened the door, expecting the guy to be in there cooking meth. You know, so we're all masked up and got all the safety equipment on, and we hit the door and opened it up, and that guy's sitting there on a on a bucket with a paintbrush, a foam paintbrush, painting his car. It's like, with a there foam we, paintbrush? Like, yeah. a, like at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, he's got paint all over him, and he's been painting this one fender. Like, I mean, and I told him there, it, it was like he had 40 coats, like more coats of paint on it than the Batmobile. And he's just back and forth, just empty cans of paint all around him. And he had been up for like nine days straight. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... Painting Pretty that wild. fender. Painting that fender. He's doing a heck of a job. <laughs> wow. But Rational thinking anyway, that's, isn't something you generally do after being awake for That's the story that he wanted to hear. And I told one about a canned ham that everyone, everybody really enjoyed. Tell us that one. My mother-in-law, after my third or fourth <laughs> episode came out, she sent me a text. My mother-in-law is the absolute. She is like Juju part two. I mean, she is just the sweetest thing ever. But she has no clue about hunting fishing anything outdoors but she loves that i love it and she she sent me this text message and said brent i loved listening to your episode it's so good she's i can just see all the things and hear about the stuff my dad used to talk about when when he was doing all the stuff that you're doing she's i just got a question about one of the commercials she said where can we get some of those hams (laughs) and i thought hams we don't advertise hams and I sent her a text back. I said, I don't know what you're talking about, Mama. <laughs> this is my mother-in-law, but we all call her Mama. And she said, oh, yeah, your boss. Your boss, Steve, <laughs> he <laughs> never goes hunting unless he's taking those canned hams with him. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to. He's we even want, got a trailer he puts we, his canned hams yeah. We want to get some of those. He even gets on top of them in glasses sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did a screenshot of a canned ham and sent it to her. I said, this is what he's talking about, Mom. And she's like, oh, well, I was just wanting to support your company. <laughs> <laughs> canned ham. Yeah. Canned ham. Those canned hams are great. That's funny. That's funny. Well, I think that uh, since this is uh, a podcast about mountain lions, and uh, Colby, you you brought up an interesting point. I did. Tell me. You know, I was just excited to come to this one because it's almost like the first render. This this episode never had a render. Yeah, did exactly. Yeah, yeah. This 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 episode. So when Bear Green, this this is kind of a time when we're like opening up the the back pages of the Bear Green's podcast. When we started Bear Grease, we didn't have a render. It just came out every two weeks. If you remember the yeah, first like six or s- yeah, how many episodes was it? I think episode seven was the first render. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. So so for like fourteen weeks, it was just an episode every two weeks. Boring. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we had we had the first render, which was kind of an experiment because I I had like I was like. I don't know if these guys are entertaining or not. <laughs> and I invited some of you here to come to it. Who was on the first render? Um, 
I don't even remember. Me, shoot, I don't. I know Malachi Nichols was on there. That's right. I think uh, Dan Roop was on there. Doctor Daniel was on there for I think the first one. Maybe not. Maybe he was later. But anyway, we the renders become a important part. So Colby said a lot of this podcast has been living rent free in his head. It's true, <laughs> and he's got a lot he wants to say. So <laughs> it's true. But I thought this would be a great time for Bear to tell his his story. So Josh Bear, because Bear's story involves a cat. Yes, a feline, a wild, a wild cat. Um. So, so what? What did Bear tell you at school the other day? Well, I asked him. I said, "You got one tag left? Yeah, you're gonna take it with a with a trad boat? Yeah." And I, he said, "I found a great spot, but the wind keeps I, I, the way the wind comes down this creek. He's like, I get winded, and he's like, I've got this idea, and he lays this idea out to me, and I'm thinking." Has anyone ever thought of doing this? I mean, they, like I felt like I was talking to a Native American <laughs> <laughs> who was like, you, "What's he doing? Sign language to you? <laughs> yeah, and smoke signals? And, <laughs> can we get more stereotypical here?" But uh, I was like, "I was like, I mean, it's definitely not something you've ever seen on any hunting sh- channel show or you know something that people talk about." So, so what what did you do, Bear? Yeah, okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin his story because he went through it real quick, and I was going through it in my head. But I want him to relay the details. Okay, pretty much. I'm sitting at a spot where there's a riverbed right behind me, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a riverbed that meets up to the main river. Main river's flowing real fast, sucks all the wind south. Okay, and including in this little riverbed that's right behind me, all the wind there gets sucked south. Yeah. So even if it's north wind, the wind's going to go south right here, and I I know where. Three deer are bedded because I watched him do it. <laughs> Bear told me, he said, Dad, I walked almost 20 miles yesterday. I only found three deer. And I was like, it was just kind of a weird statement. And he's like, I literally know where these three deer sleep. He's like, I, I bumped yeah. them out of the same spot. How many times? Three times. I mean, like he's like, in, when in he said, I know where three deer are, he's like, no, no, I'm, no. I literally know where three deer it's, sleep. They sleep right by yeah. that rock every day. They Go ahead. really Go ahead. hard to find. but. <laughs> Um, so yeah, pretty much I watched them bed down one time and they winded me, came in another time. Now are you, are you hunting out of a stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hanging a stand and I watched them go in there and bed down and then they winded me. Okay. And I went in there two more times at like midday or like early morning and they'd win me. So they were bedding in the same spot, which usually they don't. And they, every time they'd come out of their bed, they want to go north, but they smell me. Because the creek's carrying your scent down, even if the prevailing wind is... Yep. Favorable. Yep. And so pretty much my idea was to get like a a bundle of like clothes, boots, make it, you know, stuff that smells like me, go stick it where my stand is, and then come around the backside and hunt in that riverbed. Because every time they'd spook, they'd go to the same, they'd run Mm -hmm. and they'd cross the river (laughs) in the same spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so pretty much that's... So so how did you execute that? Okay, so there's a there's a like a trail that goes. And this is before school. Like this isn't like yeah, something yeah. he was doing. Like he did this before he came to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's like a trail that kind of goes around like the backside of where these does bed. And so pretty much, I woke up real early, cross the river, go around the trail, and I just creep in this riverbed right to my stand, and I just lay all my clothes there. And you're assuming the three does that you know that you have named. Are not in there right now. They're out well, doing what they're doing. Well, I mean that's kind of the idea. I, I think they're in there. But why but wouldn't they? They they could because have been, they would have winded. You. They don't win me until they get out in the riverbed. 
They get out of bed first. So they 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 bed a little ways into the woods, and the wind isn't hitting them right there. And so pretty much, I came in on this trail, set my what you put out there. I put a. Did you put some of my stuff? It was all my stuff. Dad (laughs) used to Dad used to get mad at me for like abusing his gear, (laughs) like (laughs) just using it like it was my own. You too, Josh. (laughs) And I, I'm wondering what Bear left out in the woods. He's probably like, he's probably like, yeah, I took your good uh, first light, uh, you know, your first light puffy and your good boots. No, I put my muck boots, pair of socks, used. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just one of my big first light jackets. Okay, Hunter's orange that was covered in deer blood. Okay, so you know it smelled like me. And I crept around the backside while I was creeping around the backside. I spook probably 15 turkeys up above mm. me and they all spooked towards the way that i was going and so i get back around i get in the main river creep up it's and then, still dark yeah still dark and i get to a spot where basically like you envision just like a riverbed and it drops where the water usually flows yep and there's about a three foot drop and then there's some weeds growing there mm-hmm. and pretty much that's the only place i can hunt where i can shoot where the deer are going to be because they you know the riverbed's like 30 yards wide i can only shoot like it's pretty much 20. dry yeah, it's bone dry. And uh remind me of bone dry riverbed. Okay. Can't carry on. <laughs> and the you know, the main river's sixty yards behind me. And pretty much I sneak in there and I'm about like ninety yards from where these deer would usually pop out. And I get there and I'm just sitting on my knees. It's real cold. And uh I sit there for probably thirty minutes and I look up and there's a bobcat with a squirrel in its mouth at first i couldn't really tell what it was i thought it was a coyote because i was in there a couple days before and saw a coyote tried to shoot it in that same riverbed huh and uh so at first i kind of thought it was a coyote saw it had a squirrel in its mouth but it got the closer it got the more i realized it was a bobcat and so i knew i couldn't really move because it was like 30 yards facing me i'm on the ground and, and it, you have, you've yet to say that you're you're shooting an osage self bow Made yep, by yep. David Albright, one of our David's really we we consider him family. It's my brother's father in law, David Albright, yep. and, and a self bow makes a is the bow. most primitive of archery gear. I mean, it's essentially a bow carved out of one piece of wood. Most modern bow, most modern even traditional bows are laminates. They're recurves, long bows that are made from laminated wood and different synthetics sometimes that make them. Make them uh, more durable. A self bow is the most primitive style, so it's the slow. It, it shoots slow. They're they're a little harder to aim because the shelf of the bow is kind of out further. They're just a self bow is like hyper primitive, yep. difficult. Yep. And so you're on much, the ground in the creek with your self bow. Yeah, and so I I already had my bow up. And here comes a bobcat with a squirrel in its mouth. Yep, and he just comes straight <laughs> towards me, slightly to my was left. Is he just like trotting along? Yeah. Is he, is he is he walking slow or trotting? Trotting. What was the squirrel's tail doing? <laughs> no just idea. Kind of, kind yeah, of like just, it, the squirrel was dead, so okay. I don't know. It looked like a nice squirrel. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. And uh, he comes, and he gets about five yards from me, and at that point, he's between me and the weeds, and I was able to move a little bit and uh so i move my bow to where he's gonna be and he comes down and he's standing right on this slope right you know where the drop is Mm -hmm. and he's probably three yards from me i mean he's probably from me to that computer behind you wow and there's some weeds between me and him and at this point i've i'd already drawn back and he looked at me 
once he got there. And <laughs> was like, I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> got a mouthful of squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thought he'd beat the day, man. <laughs> and uh, my way I just knew time. that was. <laughs> <laughs> making my way I knew that was the only shot I was going to get. And so I shoot and I either shot high or it hit the weeds and it just skipped right over his back. And he pitched the squirrel and ran like 10 yards behind me and just stopped there looking at me broadside. And I guess he just didn't want to leave his squirrel or he was curious or something. And so I just stood there and I have a back quiver on and I just reach back and pull out my other arrow and just draw back and I shoot and it kind of ducks and turns and I just hit it right in the back of the head and it just drops right there. Mm. Wow. And, uh, mm. Congratulations, <laughs> young man. Mm. And so I go get the cat, get the squirrel, and no more than seven or eight minutes later, I just hear some cracking coming from out in front of me. And so I, and I'm down to my last arrow. And, <laughs> and uh, I see a, I see a doe coming down. The do- and it is a Does doe it in two like ponds. It's been scared by some dirty socks. <laughs> I mean, it was moving quick. It's moving. If you were riding this, you would say. The doe moved at the pace as if she'd been sent bumped by a pair of dirty socks. <laughs> well, all I can say is that I saw them go north three times in the morning, and this time they were going south. So, mm. I mean, I don't know. They weren't, like, really spooked, evidence, and I didn't evidence. hear them. Yeah, they, were, they weren't running. No, no, they were pretty calm. So, I don't know. But, if he was using but that's the magic what eight ball, say signs, say, I mean, point I actually guess. really appreciate that you're not giving full credit because I think that, especially when it comes to scent, hunters completely make, like, real significant judgments of what an animal does, like real definitive judgments, like the animals smelled me and did this, or they didn't smell me and they did that, when it's really kind of, are you sure that's the way it happened? <laughs> so I appreciate that, because when Bear told me, he was like, I'm not sure that my scent bundle pushed him this way, but... That's just because he didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get scolded. And I think we all know what happened about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. As a parent, nothing keeps me up at night more than the idea of something happening to my children. But if something happens to me and I'm not around to protect them, that's a true nightmare. Having term life insurance for myself is crucial because I can rest easier knowing my children and loved ones can have some financial support even if I'm not there. That's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. Having life insurance just gives me that extra confidence throughout the day knowing that my family will be financially cared for if something bad happened to me. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You can be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's meetfabric.com slash bear. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash bear. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage 
and an easy-to-use app. You can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com, and use code BEAR for 15% off. So, but they came. Yep. So here comes the, these deer. It's, it's the You're, doe and two but fawns. You, so you kept hunting. You gathered up the bobcat and the squirrel. Yep. Just like had them sitting right beside you? Yep. Yeah, actually, whenever I was and lifting were, my and, bow, my bow got stuck on the arrow that was in the bobcat's head <laughs> <laughs> and so you're you're going to continue to hunt yep okay and okay. pretty much the big doe walks out 18 yards and i have a a short wide broadhead on that's real light it's it like was a 100 grain broadhead so when you're shooting a traditional bow you usually have a, a specialized heavy head especially a, a self bow that's not shooting as hard we didn't really have much time to get him ready for for this and so he just had like standard looking broadheads. Yeah, and the first two so broadheads, both the ones that I shot the bobcat would have been perfect. Oh, okay. That the it was just kind of my backup broadhead. Yeah. But I didn't think very much of it. And pretty much the doe walked out at 18 yards. I shot and just hit her right behind the shoulder and my arrow bounced off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it literally like it made a did drum not noise. get Boom. any penetration. <laughs> no. And I mean like it had like hair on it, but it just I mean, it was just laying right there, and they all just ran back and into the, the woods and Ow! <laughs> <laughs> ran across the river. And those were the only three deer I could find, so I pretty much figured my hunt was over. <laughs> wow! It was what pretty. Is your scent bundle still out there? What do you think of that, no, Dad? Oh I man, that was awesome. That's, yeah, uh, Bear called me on that. He said it had a pretty cool hunt. I thought I better tell you. And I thought, holy cow, that little sucker! It's just crazy what he did that morning. Yeah, I found bobcats. Bobcats were highly elusive to me as a bow hunter for years. 
I didn't kill one until I was an adult. I missed five bobcats before I ever killed. I think I've killed two now with a bow. They're hard to kill. And to kill one on the ground at like point, well, to get a shot off even at like point or blank range. two shots off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, remind me of the dry creek bed. Uh, well, first of all, when you sent me the picture, I was in Alaska. No, no, where was I? Yeah, I was in Alaska. And uh, and he said, I killed a bobcat. When I shot it, it had a squirrel in its mouth. And I was just like, oh, cool. And I see the picture. And I looked at that picture for two days while I was in Alaska before I finally zoomed in. And I was like, oh, there's a squirrel. I didn't see the yeah. squirrel either. Oh, really? Same. The squirrel looked just like a rock. I saw it immediately when you sent it to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, he took the picture with the, the squirrel laid there. But somebody, you know, I put that on my Instagram. And, uh, you know, like 99% of the people were just like, wow, that's cool. And somebody was like, if he shot that squirrel crossing the creek, or if he shot that bobcat crossing the creek, why aren't the bobcat's feet wet? <laughs> he was like, he, he was he, wearing he, his rubber boots. He, he, the, guy, the, guy, yeah. the guy thought yeah. like, like we boots. were trying to pull one over on the world. Oh, gosh. And I almost responded back to him, but I didn't. And I was going to say, my brother, have you ever seen a bobcat cross a Ozark stream? <laughs> they don't get their feet wet. Yeah. <laughs> rock to rock. I mean, they're just, anyway. But good hunt, good hunt, good hunt for sure. You know, I asked Bear, kind of the city boy that I am at heart, <laughs> what are you going to do with that squirrel? I mean, it's killed by a bobcat. Its teeth has penetrated the meat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm. he said, well. I guess I'll take it home, put it in the freezer. <laughs> no question. What'd you, what'd you do with it, Bear? Well, I ended up, I cut a backstrap out of the bobcat and cut, you know, the legs off the squirrel and ate them for dinner. You ate the bobcat? Piece of it, yeah. Was it good? <laughs> it was actually pretty good. I mean, it wasn't anything special, but like, it smelled terrible when I skinned it, so I really? thought it would be nasty, but it just tasted like meat. Like pork. Cat meat's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That, some of the best like meat I've ever lion. had was mountain lion that you gave mountain me. Mountain lion, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The Here's something that the Bear Grease world can can do for for me, for Meat Eater, for Steve Rinella. Um, welcome, Miss Newcomb. Have a seat. Dr. Missy Newcomb <laughs> has just joined us. Let's give her a round of applause. Um, here's something that, uh, the Bear Grease world could do for me on January the 9th, the audio original, the long hunters. How are you, Dr. Newcomb? Good to be here. Great to have you. <laughs> Bear just told, oh, we, oh, I missed let me it. fill you in. Okay. Juju came in and gave a Christmas message to wow. all of Bear Grease and brought us cookies. Day. Okay. Bear just told us about his, uh, bobcat squirrel deer hunt. It was really great. Combo. Uh, Pretty Brent cool. told us about how he... Uh, had a great time in Kansas City, probably even better than coming here. He had a better this time. The green room. He had oh, a better man. time just, there than with the with us. Okay. His people. Wow. No, yeah. that's not true. Um, that kind of hurts. You can't. So, <laughs> and now we're but talking now that I'm about. Here, I'm sure all that's now we're talking yep. about the law. Uh, January 9th. Meat eater. Meat eater. American history. The Long Hunters, 1761 to 1775. Audio so original, me and Steve Ranella. You can pre-order it now. But here's the deal. We have pretty big plans to make more of these. And uh, if, we sell, if we sell a bunch of these, we're gonna be, they're going to want us to do more. And so 
you can pre-order this, and it's it, it, you listen to it like an audio book. It's going to be five to six hours, and I'm telling you, there has never this data has never been gathered and put in one place. It was there was a lot of questions. The way Steve described it as the historical authors that wrote about the time periods with the long hunters, and even modern historical authors are often not hunters, and they don't focus on the things that hunters and really people that are living close to the land are interested in. And he had all kind of questions about uh, a lot of different stuff. And Randall Williams, Steve, and I, we we de- developed this book. Randall Williams did a lot of the research. And it's I just can't imagine someone that likes any kind of American history and deer hunting to not, for this not to be like essential reading well i would say reading material but it's an audio original listening material so go and you can pre-order it now where do you go to pre-order it um it's on, pink, that's a great question it, it's easy to find it's on the penguin random house audible okay. it's on audible yeah, it's on that's audible right. yeah audible yeah so anyway do that it'd be doing a favor favor to the bear grease world so do that are there options to like bootleg it so i don't have to pay for it but I mean, you still get credit for it if you bootlegged it. I'd just let somebody know, you know, just like a penguin <laughs> okay. at meat eater. Okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> just so they can like put a little tally mark on it. You know, I, tally marks that makes me think of something. I learned just this week um, that uh, the Native Americans used a bear femur to keep track of different things. In the archaeological record, they would take a big bear femur. And make tally marks on bare femurs. Like for, notches, you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, making notches for stuff. Tally marks. Okay, that was just a little aside. Episode one of Bear Grease. I, I noted a few things about it. Brent Reeves was actually the first voice ever heard on the Bear Grease podcast. That's not true. It was second to yours. Are you sure? You, were you not the cold open? I was in the cold open. Oh, but I said, but you, you asked how me a certain question. are you? Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. The cold open, uh, first episode interview. one. First interview. Well, so no, it was the cold open, though. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was Brent Reeves. 100%. And then I did my little I li- did my Boston. little open. Oh, burrito's ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, it ain't coffee. And then, then it was Dad talking about how he had just yep. bought, bought and, the propaganda. And you know who it wasn't? How many mountain lions have you seen? Does it matter? Oh, it matters. Of course it matters. Well, if you'd seen a mountain lion. It was in a mountain lion episode. If you'd lied like these mustache. guys and said that you'd seen a mountain lion. I could have been on. Yeah, you, know, you could have been on. It, it's kind of died out a little bit, but there used to be a lot of animosity coming from Old Lambridge over there about <laughs> not being yeah. interviewed, that everybody had been interviewed except for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's because I'm not a subject matter expert on anything. I'm just a dude. I don't even know how I got this job. <laughs> He's just a dude. You were cheap. Cheap. <laughs> cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Coley, anything stand out to you in the episode? You know, one of the things that has lived in my brain pretty rent-free has been Scott Brown's story about being at Walmart, yeah. selling that license. Like, I think about that regularly. That like, funny. Like, I'll see something on my trail cam, and I'm like, man, I think that might be... Man, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to be that guy. I I'm- just wonder, and I listened to it again on the way up here, and I was thinking, well, I was thinking, well, maybe Scott don't know what a mountain lion looks like. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe those other guys did. 
Yeah, you were casting casting some. Well, doubt I'm on just that. saying there was five witnesses against man. Him. When I heard, so I I hadn't listened to this episode in a long time, and when I heard Scott's story, it it almost made my blood boil just a little bit to to think about. <laughs> I mean, if I had been in that little covey of guys back there, you know, Scott. I mean, Scott kind of fed the the monster a little bit. Well, he's he's also working. He's, yeah, he's in business back there. <laughs> yeah, his, his job isn't to, come to back. debate. Yeah. His job isn't to debate because no. people. Oh my gosh, you you will offend somebody if you correct them when it comes to something they think they've seen. But I, I think I would have just been like, "Oh, that's not a mountain lion. That's a bobcat. We all know it." <laughs> See <laughs> hey, y'all later, Scott Brand. If you knew Please Scott, buy my audible book. Yeah, <laughs> check out the long hunters. <laughs> and burritos are ready. If you knew Scott Brown, I mean, this guy, he's the real deal. Outdoorsman Deluxe. His dad, Outdoorsman Deluxe. And I think Andy's dad was, I mean, he goes back, way yeah. back. Yeah. And, uh, hey, he's a, he's a killing dude. He knows the outdoors. I'd trust him anywhere. He knows what a mountain lion looks like. Yeah, 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 for sure. Maybe for sure. just by photo, but he, you know, he's a he, he's a he's a real deal. Uh, so this episode, though, I remember when we first did it. I told I told you in the in the little preamble that I was commissioned to make three episodes. In the first two, the first two that I made, one was um, with James Lawrence, and the other one was about dogs. And then the third one was the mountain lion episode, and uh, and we ended up the, the but the mountain lion episode was the third one, and I remember thinking when we had those three and we had to start that we were it was like a gamble to put that one first because we'd probably never make another one that was anywhere close to that good. Like right. I thought the Berries podcast was going to be like. Man, they had one good episode. <laughs> it was all they peaked early. Yeah, I mean for real. And I I remember telling my boss at the time, who was Ben O'Brien, and I said, "Man, I think we got to swing for the fence because we thought about putting it later, like right. starting a, a little bit low." And and to me, the James Lawrence episode ended up being as good as any we've ever done. Like I revamped it. I did those two. We all listened to it. It was like a four out of ten. And then I went back and rebuilt the whole James Lawrence episode and like put in it just, and to, so to me, that one was like redeemed. But I remember just thinking. Just basing off the critical review of the, of the mountain lion one. Well, just, I just didn't think there was that many in, intriguing stories like that that would draw people in. And, and I think we've learned that that's wrong. I oh, mean, there, yeah. there's, you know, no I mean, doubt. just with all the topics, like you think about all the topics we've covered in the last almost three years. I mean, from these historical figures to some of these living guys to, I hear a lot of people talk about the taxidermy road show when Brent and I drove around. <laughs> you yeah. remember that Brent? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, I still uh, get, I still get messages about that. Yeah. But it was so, it, it's interesting to go back, but I truly get more interaction around that than anything of to this day. People send, I mean, for real, I'm not joking. Look at this. I'm pulling up my. Uh, you telling no about the flood now because here's the ones that I get that have a black panther in them is like 
Will you show this to Clay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's ignoring my text. I, I, no, yes. I got. I, I don't just, know Clay. Since since this podcast started, somebody sent me a Black Panther image. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Hey, look, we look at the about, time on that. That came that came uh, just today. Well, um, let me tell you, we uh, that very photograph right there. Steve and Giannis and I talked about that on the podcast we did in Kansas City. That picture right yeah, there. That picture's yeah. been around a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this guy says it's from Georgia. Yep. And he he his line here would fall into category number one of my automated response. Sir, you you are looking at an animal that is not from North America. I mean, that's a real Black Panther, but that is not from North America. A wild North American says cat. Says you. Says you. Um, well... Uh, w- wait a minute. Did I just totally interrupt you while you were going to talk about I don't think what so. stood out to you? You know, I thought it went a really good direction. <laughs> okay, okay. I I, I, I will wanna... say the most surprising thing when listening to it again was I was surprised that you knew a quote from Dumb and Dumber. I was like, Clay's never watched that movie. (laughs) I don't know many pop culture pop culture tidbits. I'm not sure that we're going to call a movie that's twenty something years old pop culture. But it's what all the kids are watching, Misty. Well, the old kids. Yeah, the kids your age. Mm -hmm. You actually got the quote a little bit out of context. It was like, well, I'm not sure that Clay has watched Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't convinced. Dad, do you what, what? so that that podcast dubbed you as the believer, Black Panther believer. What what stood out to you when if you heard it again? I mean, like I don't know. After well, three after three stance. years of being the believer, yeah, where do you stand? <laughs> well, I tell you, uh, I hate to say this. I mean, you talk to some pretty credible people, but they're they're full of hogwash. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that's <laughs> that's garbage. I don't know mm. where these guys went to school. The game, and I love. Uh, you know, the guys working there, I mean, they know what they're doing, but they they got the Black Panther all monkeyed up. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep the same stance. You know, okay. I know I don't believe it. I know it. I mean, it, it's for real. Okay, Black <laughs> and, Panther. And Ollie, um, what's the name of her town? Bucksnord. Bucksnord. And Ollie down in Bucksnord. Yeah, I mean, you could hear them at night. Without a doubt. Yeah. And you can tell the difference between the yeah. black one and the regular colored one yeah, just by y'all, their sound. Yeah, y'all remember the early podcast. There's mm-hmm. no question. Mm-hmm. So and, anyway, no, uh, it, it was very good. I enjoyed it probably more this time than the first. Yeah. Uh, I found it shocking that they would get only one verification on 100, 150 yeah. reported yeah. Yeah. sightings. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Josh, what do you think? Uh, not necessarily about the podcast, but just about going back and listening to the first episode of Bear Grylls. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of reruns. Yeah, yeah, I I like to list, watch things and listen to things over again because I feel like my attention span is a little weak sometimes, and so going back, I pick up on things that I missed before. Mm-hmm. I I all credit due to Myron Means, brilliant mm-hmm. guy. He's been on here, fantastic guy. There's got to be more mountain lions out there than than we're seeing. I just have, I just so, believe it. I'm gonna defend I, him. I I don't. I've known Brent to lie. <laughs> I got a vaccination all the time. Yeah. So I he says he's seen two. Yeah. I believe he's seen at least at least one. Okay. So, yeah. I've seen two with witnesses both times. Hmm. 
They had four witnesses, the first, three other witnesses besides myself the first but time. But a lot of them were coon hunters. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that was they. Yeah, and we, they weren't vaccinated. <laughs> the, yeah. the, second one, the second one was a coon hunter. The first time was broad daylight with three other guys in the cab of the truck. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it and was And it was plain. where? Where did you see Seth Ashley Cat? County. Ashley County, outside between uh, Hamburg and Fountain Hill. That narrows it down. It does. Bear, have you ever, oh, Bear, have you ever seen a mountain lion? Bear's lost his headset. Never saw a mountain lion? No. I think that, that I would believe it if Bear had seen it. Yeah. Because I think anyone that's out in the woods as much as Bear is, Bear sees the craziest stuff. Like <laughs> constantly seeing crazy stuff. Constantly bringing home videos of like. What are you saying? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying I would only believe it if Bear saw it. Mm-hmm. You would believe it if Bear saw it? Oh, here we go. What's what's bear, What's your rebuttal, Bear? Well, I was talking with one of my buddies the other day, and you know, like, like sometimes whenever I hunt on like ATV trails, you know, uh-huh. if like an ATV is coming down and I don't want them to see my spot, like if I'm like on my way into a spot, I hit the side of the road and hide behind a tree, and they have no clue that there was a dude within ten feet of them. Yeah, and so I feel like I've probably. I feel like a lot of people have probably walked right under one. Mm. I mean, <laughs> we got a believer on our hands. I mean, I what about the fact? How do you? What about the fact that in. there's not any here? How would you? How would I this mean, fit into your argument? There's just <laughs> <laughs> we've got plenty of verified, credible, yeah, witnesses, credible ish, credible, credible ish. I mean, yeah, you would think you'd see like a track or something though in a puddle, but. You know, whenever I look at pictures of my kids from the past year or even just a few months ago, I'm so amazed at how fast they're growing up, and then it hits me hard. I'm getting older, too. That's why planning for my family's financial security has become a top priority. Making sure we're prepared and having enough life insurance in case something unexpected happens and I'm out of the picture is crucial. And Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents and for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at Meet fabric.com slash bear that's m-e-e-t fabric.com slash bear meetfabric.com slash bear policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions ready to win mother's day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The R frame is easy to set up. 
It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the Food Plot Revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Man, I find that uh, th- this is a, this this statistic can be verified and is 100% accurate. 98% of American hunting license holders, America's hunters, cannot tell the difference between a canine and a feline track. I I was just thinking the same thing. I don't know if I saw it in the woods if I would be able to differentiate. I have gotten so many pictures of big old tracks. Dog tracks. Canine track. Yeah, well, that, somebody else sent it to me and be like, "Is this is this a mountain lion?" And I mean, it's a it's a canine track. And it's a uh, and it's kind of hard to tell. And and I have actually had to study it quite a bit. The people, the 2% of people that do know I was y'all. Y'all just took me at my word at the solidity and certainty of my statistics. I appreciate that. I just kind of made that up. We're used to it. Is the is the hound hunters that are that are pursuing lions like they can tell they can okay. tell driving down the road at thirty miles per hour tracking the snow that if it's a cat or if it's a bear or if it's a dog. You know, is the, there a distinguishing feature that hundred percent? What is it? Well, the the a cat track is much more oval and you can it's almost like you could place this isn't the best description but you could like place a stick in between the pad and the toes and it would be like more of a straight line a canine has four toes that are going to be on this pad and they're going to be the way they're there's arc. like yeah there's kind of like too low and then too high Okay. And then, and then, uh, uh, a cat pad has the three lobes yeah. on the on the on the pad of the foot. Is that would you say that's about right, Brandon? Yeah, canine. So. And, and a canine many? always ha- is going to have claws. A cat, right. a cat is never, basically, never going to see a claw mark in the track. And the other thing that I think would surprise most people is that a pretty darn good sized mountain lion track is small. I mean the. And I'm not an experienced mountain lion hunter, but I, I have lion hunted a couple times. 
And uh, that cat hanging on the wall right there was a male, weighed 112 pounds, was killed in Panhandle of Idaho when it was two degrees. Killed with a traditional bow. He's uh, pointing to a hide that's shot it out of a tree. on the wall. Make it. Yeah. And when I saw that track in the snow with my friend Leon Brown in Idaho, it was, uh, heck, it was pretty small, I thought. And, I mean, that's not a big cat. I mean, a, a big one weighs 140 pounds. I mean, that's a monster. So, But that, that was an adult male cat younger side of adult but and i mean that track wasn't as big as a coke can i bet really yeah i mean uh, so uh i think a, a mountain lion track is much smaller than what you would think okay that, so that's just know. my that's just my input i've never seen a mountain lion i can't wait till the day in arkansas in arkansas yeah in, excuse me in Arkansas. How yeah. many cats have you seen with your um, eyes? That's a good question. I've seen that one. And one time in British Columbia, a cat jumped out in the road while we were driving down the road bear hunting and just loped down the road in front of us for about 30 yards and then Same scenario as off. Brent. Yeah. Exact same scenario as Brent. What are you pointing at, Brent? The squirrel, squirrel I'm waiting on the bobcat. <laughs> oh. Um, I think I've only seen – those are the only two I can remember. Yeah, and that's a lot of beating around out west too. So one was in Idaho, and one was in British one was Columbia. British Columbia, and the one's in Idaho. That's right. Yep, yep. Uh, I've now seen uh, some wolves up close. I just got back from Alaska. Uh, there's going to be some more on this coming out. We, we film we filmed our Alaskan trip, and so there's sometime in the next year on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. There's going to be uh, us trapping wolves in Alaska. Mm, I it was, can't wait. That's pretty cool. Man, it was, it was an incredible trip. I hadn't told Dad about it. It was that part of Alaska. It was in southeast Alaska. Uh, it was the most spectacular natural beauty of any place I've ever been. We were on the ocean, so we were at sea level, down low. But there are big snow-capped mountains basically in every direction. But there was a lot of glacier activity where we were at. Um, I was reading today about uh, about the idea of wilderness, and there's a term that's called sublime, which has been watered down by modern culture to kind of take away its meaning. But the word, the the, the old nature writers, the original nature writers that kind of forged and articulated the ideas around American wilderness used the word sublime to describe interactions with raw pieces of nature. And sublime, it almost has the feeling of like a supernatural experiment experience. Like an, like I an, think like euphoric. Euphoric, like a like an oh, the way they described it was like an overlap of the natural and spiritual world coming together. When Josh, when I was in Alaska, there we went to a glacier that met the ocean, which is pretty cool. Some mm-hmm. glaciers don't. This glacier, I mean, you could have rode a boat right up to it, and we did. Right. When I saw it, we were. I believe we're over two miles away. We kind of came around this bend and we had been seeing, like when you get like four miles from this glacier, you're just out in the ocean and you start seeing chunks of ice. You know, if you didn't know any better, you'd just be like, what is that? 
You could drive over there and there'd be a chunk of ice about as big as an ice chest floating. Just a clear chunk of ice. You'd be like, wow, that's wild. You, you go another quarter mile and there's a chunk of ice as big as a big as a black bear floating. Oh, wow, look at that. You go another 300 yards around the bend and there's the ice chest as big as, or ice, piece of ice as big as a Volkswagen floating. You go, you go around the corner again and there's 200 blocks of ice that are big chunks. Like a giraffe. Like a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, basically there's like chunks of this glacier falling into the ocean and then melting as they move out. The closer you get to the glacier, the bigger the icebergs get. When we got two miles away, you could see this glacier. It, it, it glowed blue. And dad, I have never had an experience like this before. It was not concocted. I wasn't expecting it. But I, like the hair on the back of my neck stood up when I saw that glacier. And I mean, for real, my, not, this is not a figure of speech. Like, you know, you, people say my mouth dropped open. Yeah. Like I, I kind of came to awareness after a few minutes of looking at this glacier from two miles away. Wow. And I, my mouth was open. I was just like, holy cow. And, and it was a sublime experience. And as soon as you rounded the corner and you could see the glacier, the air temperature dropped, you know, probably seven or eight degrees started getting cold. And then you come up on a glacier that's like as big as your house. And we floated around it. And the deep, the ice that was the densest was, was blue. It, it glowed blue like a, like a stained glass window. Hmm. Wow. And, and when we, <clears throat> when we got up to it, I mean, it's hard to describe. It almost, it, it felt to me like a portal to another realm. Mm-hmm. Because you, you it's just worldly. It was. I mean, it was just like, and and when we got when we got within sight of it, I asked David Bennett's, who was the guy I was trapping with, this incredible guy, Stocking God service. He, uh, I asked him. I said, "Well, we see this thing calve. You know, that's what they call when chunks of ice fall off of the glacier into the ocean." And he was like, "Oh yeah." I mean, I didn't know if it was something that happened like once every two weeks or if right. it happened like all the time. And we're with inside the glacier. I say, will it calve? And he goes, oh, yeah. I turn around, and we're now over a mile away from it, and I hear what sounds like thunder. I mean, I actually looked up because it was puzzling to me the sound <laughs> I heard. I thought it was thunder. Mm. And all of a sudden, I see like in slow motion this huge chunk of ice fall off. And it just looks like slow motion. And it was a chunk of ice about as big as my house. Wow. And I saw it hit the water and just... Now, that wasn't the thunder. The thunder was it cracking off, the noise it made when it cracked and fell. And then it hit the water, and you see the ocean just explode. And then like three minutes later, the boat goes... You know, like the wave yeah. comes out. And I was like, holy cow, we are going to see this thing, Cav. And on the way to it, I saw three huge chunks of ice fall off. And so I thought, man, we're just going to get like right up on this glacier and just watch a, a show. And we got there, and by the, t- by the time you get up to it, there's so much ice, you're, you're, you're just breaking ice, basically. You're like parting. It's like a slushy, you know, on the top of the ground. 
with with big chunks of ice, small chunks, right. chunks as big as your house, chunks as and we stayed in front of that glacier for probably forty minutes, just kind of floating around within like two, three hundred yards of it, like as close as you wanted to get. Right. And I never saw another big piece fall off. Really? Huh. Yeah, it was just like totally erratic. Interesting. That blue was the most is the bluest thing I've ever seen. Misty yeah. sent me the picture. It, it was in, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Did you? And I forgot to ask you. Did y'all get any of that ice and melt it and drink it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We talked about it. Uh, Dave Bennett's told me that they there was a time period maybe in the 80s when they were selling glacier ice yeah. to to rich folks to put in their drinks because it, it didn't melt as quick because it was denser. And those icebergs had rocks in the ice. It would be like clear ice, like as big as your house. And you, could, you, know, you couldn't see all the way through it just because it was like... You have like ice the, on the rocks. Well, yeah. there well, was, there just, was it rocks. It trenches out the... There would be like... When that glacier moves. There would be like rocks inside the ice. I just wonder what it tasted like. I I did suck on one piece. Did it taste like water? Tasted like, like <laughs> regular water. I mean, tasted like regular water. Did it taste like an extinct disease or <laughs> mastodon? <laughs> yeah. Extinct mastodon. COVID part one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did were you, you going to say, Misty? Nothing. Did you hear about that? I was. I it just reminded me of that uh, chunk of that glacier that broke off in Greenland. Did you hear about that? Mm-mm. There's a a chunk of a glacier that broke off of a fjord in Greenland that is 50 miles long and 12 miles wide. It's a drift now. They say wow. that it melting will literally cause the ocean level to rise yeah. just from that one from chunk that of one. that glacier. It's I so read about big. that. Wow. That's incredible. The glaciers are the glaciers are melting. I asked David it, that's a that's an interesting statement, and if you say that and want to sound intelligent, you have to put a little context around it. The glaciers have been melting for ten thousand years. I mean that that's the way, you know. So the gla you can't just say the glaciers are melting and it be like some statement of yeah. alarm. Like the the glaciers have been melting for ten thousand years. That is fact. What they you know what they're saying is that the glaciers are melting faster than we've ever seen them in recorded history. Right. You know which. I I don't know if that's true or not. I I'm assume it is. David David uh Bennett's told me that he has seen that glacier retreat about a half a mile in his lifetime. Wow. Mm-hmm. That feels yeah. like a lot. It feel, yeah, it does. But when you consider that like 20 miles away where he lived, well, wherever however many miles away he lives. There was a time when there was like a mile and a half of ice pack over the place he lives that was connected to this glacier. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's like a like an unfathomable amount of ice has melted in the last 10,000 years. But yeah, I, I agree. So it's just interesting. A lot of people have asked me, well, were they melting? I was like, yeah. Saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> I even took part in it. By, I did take a chunk of ice at a different glacier, Brent. We saw two. Um, had a little, little chunk of ice put it in my mouth. What kind there of boat go. were you in? Well, we stayed on a 42-foot fishing boat called the Sandpiper, which was his crabbing boat. David is a commercial crabber and has been has been involved in commercial. They call it commercial fishing, but commercial crabbing since he was 12 years old. We stayed on that boat. 
the, the inside of that boat, there's a, it's kind of like a camper. It would be almost identical to a camper. There's a kitchen, there's a bathroom, there's a kitchen table, there's bunk beds. Um, but we had a skiff, which was a, a heavy duty aluminum boat made of quarter inch aluminum with a 200 inch, 200 inch, 200, 200 horse motor on the back of it that we used to scoot around. So we, we, our base camp was the Sandpiper, and we stayed on there. Yeah, it was incredible. Six days on the ocean up there. It Amazing. really was incredible. Yeah. It truly was. Yeah, Dave, I knew David from Bear Hunting Magazine. Yeah. David's a longtime Bear Hunting Magazine outfitter, and uh, he sells spring bear hunts and some of that real good hunting up there. Yeah, solid guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, so how many wolves did you get? We trapped four wolves. It was it awesome. was very very unique. If you look at Clay's Instagram, he's holding one of them up, and he says this is a ninety pound wolf, and it looks it looks enormous. It looks mm-hmm. enormous. It looks like it's. I mean, like if that wolf is ninety pounds, Clay's You'd about ninety five. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Photographs are always deceptive because scale means everything. Kind of going full let's, circle. Let's, let's bring this back to the mountain lines. Like if you have a. A, a tan cat, a tan house cat, Nana's tan cat house cat, like five feet from your trail camera, he's going to look big as I got opposed the, to Nana's cat I got 30 the, feet away. I got the the cure for all of that. We talked about that, Steve and I and Giannis and Spencer and everybody on the podcast, we talked about this the other day. And After it was over with, I had this idea. It's, it's like you get in an argument with somebody and you're leaving and you're driving down the road and you're like, golly. I should have told him this. Mm-hmm. This would have really got its goat. But I saw a thing. I was watching something on National Geographic, and there was a guy in in this shark tank, in this shark cage, and they're trying to figure out how big these sharks are swimming out in front of them because there's nothing, nothing there to judge, you know, the shark Apparently. against. So he had a laser made underwater, and it shoots out a, uh, a beam of light or, you know, two dots that are one foot apart. Or a meter, I think, is what they used. Hmm. But a meter apart. We don't even know how far that is. Yeah, I mean, we fought a war to keep from doing that. So <laughs> anyway, you get a you get he was shining out there and taking photographs of these sharks with that those two points on there. Then they could take the photograph and say, okay, that shark is however many long. He's fifteen feet long or whatever. Mm. So game camera, we need those two little lights on there. Oh, okay. Shoots a beam out at a predetermined distance yeah. apart, and if that, regardless of where that animal is, when it hits him, you'll be able to measure it out. I see. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and and that if, if the lasers were exactly aligned, the distance wouldn't like get wider, or get narrower it with perfectly distance. parallel. Yeah, they'd have to it, be perfectly yeah, parallel. That's what it was. And that's yeah, what this interesting. guy designed. That's a good idea, Brent. That's going to be on, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's going to be on the our new trail camera. <laughs> <laughs> the Bear Grease trail camera. <laughs> In first light specter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying that scale means a lot with those wolves. I agreed with you. And that's the reason I put that they weighed 90 pounds because – Somebody would be like, that's a 300 Somebody pound would have wolf. thought, that's a 130 <laughs> pound. That's a 130 pound wolf. If you'd have seen them in person, you would have been like, yeah, that's probably about a 90 pound wolf. But but when you're holding it up. <laughs> I can assure you, I would not have. <laughs> <laughs> when you're holding it up, that wolf is like closer to the camera than you. 
and it did, they just, they just looked bigger than they were. I wish you would have held it more like like a baby. Yeah, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> You're rocking it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it was it was it interesting like putting a wolf up. I, I, it was it it did not escape me that a wolf is a controversial animal to kill. Like not at all. And and I I inside the film that we make when we actually show people how we were trapping these wolves, we're gonna we're gonna handle it really um, with a lot of humility and. Uh, and really tell the story, but man, here's the deal. People that live in wolf country that care anything about wildlife, vast majority of them are like all for, well, they don't necessarily hate wolves. They're all <laughs> for managing wolves. Managing. People that have little functional connection to wolves, like me, love the idea of wolves, or typically want to ceremonialize them, you know, want to and want them protected man the people that love wildlife usually usually want them managed and, and i think they should be managed just like any other game animal really i want should. wolves on the land on the landscape in alaska and of all people david bennett says too david david wolf traps in the areas that he moose and deer hunts and like he like i said in my post it's not i mean like we know we we didn't try to paint the picture like we're changing the world by trapping a few wolves but David says that he can, on a micro scale, positively impact deer and moose numbers in the places he hunts by trapping. Yeah, same thing. I mean, with, and, and, same thing with coons. Yep, coons and turkeys. Yeah, and it's and I had somebody on on the gram be like, "Prove to me that taking those wolves out is helping deer numbers." And I, I didn't want to embarrass the guy. I'm a, nice, I'm a nice man. I like to show people some dignity, so I didn't even respond. Wolves, the statistic, if you looked it up, it will say that a wolf eats seven pounds of meat per day. Now, that, granted, that's an average. Wow. That They probably don't eat that every day, but when you average it out, like, they're eating a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat. Let's do the math real quick. Let me let me help let's you. Let's do on the this. math real I'm quick of how boy, many deer we literally. How, let's do that. Let's do that wolf. What was the estimated age on that wolf? Uh, I it was Young. an adult male, so it's like if it was like a dog, I would say it was at least a three or four year old. It okay. may have been an eight year old. Let's just say three. So three years times three sixty. Well, it, we would we would be we would be doing math on the years that he was going to continue to live. Let's say he lived another three years. This, you're already you're already to my answer. How many is he going to eat next year? Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. So None. three years times <laughs> three sixty five. That's a a thousand ninety five days. Let's just say times five pounds of meat per day. That's fifty four hundred pounds of meat. Okay, do it for one year. Do it for one year. Okay, so. 365 <laughs> times, and I'm just going to say five pounds of meat per day okay. times five. That's 1,800 pounds. So, so that that wolf is going to eat several a big game speak big oh, game yeah. animals himself. Yeah, I mean, so like if you take a wolf off the landscape, I mean, I don't see you know a lot of times solutions like that. It's it, the narrative and the talking points for predator hunters that want or, or any kind of person that's wanting to justify I mean, something they want to do be like sometimes save the caribou somebody play sarah mclaughlin and like <laughs> yeah kill well the it's, i don't want to sim i don't want to simplify the narrative because it's easy to be like oh you know 
save deer, kill a wolf. Like it's it's really probably not quite that simple, but it is. Like wolves don't have any other option. They got to eat meat. And and they have the right to. And we love wolves on the landscape. But as David says, you just got to manage them. Yeah, David. That's true. David. David said, "I like corn, but I want to eat it and harvest it too." I, I, it was funny when he said it. I yeah, thought it, was, I thought it would punch a little. I thought it would punch a little harder. Um, <laughs> no, so the, the wolf thing. I know. I started telling it, and I was like, "This isn't going to be that funny." And so I just sutured it yeah, up real quick. You did. I needed more time to process. Yeah. You're supposed like, to do the old Johnny Carson. Ooh, Bamo. When, when you do one of those. <laughs> no, the, uh, so yeah, I wanted to talk just a little bit about Alaska. So people will be able to see that. And uh, that'll be after they uh, buy the Long Hunters audio original book. Right. So that'll be great. January 9th. Yeah. Jan- well, they can order it now, Colby. Oh, yeah. And they could, you is could that, order it as a Christmas gift and then do on? a little IOU. Those are the best. Yeah, a little slip of paper that says, I've ordered you American, uh, uh, Meters American History, Long Hunters, 1761 to 1775. Works for magazines, Cassette, eight-track. Yeah, you can do it. Bear Hunting Magazine. Bear Hunting Magazine Christmas gift. Yeah, get the package. Yep, delivering it to your door. Three-year subscription (laughs) and a hat. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have any, just like, uh, what would be a really just significant analysis of the replay of this Bear Grease Classic. Dr. Black, Dr. Back didn't believe me, and he's still wrong. Mm. Next. I, I think you should have played back-to-back with this replay when James Lawrence and Gerald just kind of spontaneously <laughs> started Panthers. talking about oh. seeing Black Panthers <laughs> oh, when they yeah, were kids. Yeah, that was at Bear Camp. Uh, and they were, yeah, we were at Bear Camp, and then yeah. y'all did that podcast, and they just – I mean, they had clearly not heard the podcast, yeah. and they just started talking about- I don't think James and, and uh, Gerald listen to many podcasts. No. I get the feeling. <laughs> well, anyway, it was pretty awesome because like, they just walked right into the story telling these stories about, I mean, and they had tails, and they oh, had yeah. colors, and they, I mean, and they and it was really funny, and you're just sitting there having to be quiet, and I thought that was a- and you said, I was like Scott Brown. I, yeah. <laughs> you were Scott. I wish you would have wow. played the two the side tables by side. Have turned. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was good. I forgot about that. that Colby, was really closing funny. comments. Yeah, I was just, just to give him your headset. I want to hear from my you. uh my mom swears up and down she saw a black panther in New Boston. Really? Texas. There you go. Yeah, at the, by the prison. Really? And then uh she's always talked about it and then it came up again after this podcast and I just I couldn't break her heart. <laughs> you just let it go. I just let it go. <laughs> what? It, what is it? I let. He's Scott I let Brown. It, I a, let it a, go the other day with a guy <laughs> that uh, I was talking to, and he he wasn't informed of the podcast. He hadn't listened to anything, and he said, "Clay, I want to show you this picture. Look at this." And he thought it was a Black Panther. I mean, and he like straight up, and I just I didn't have time. Kid? I didn't have time. I was just like, "I'll be darned. You think that's a Black Panther? I don't know." I mean, I just kind of, but I just didn't have time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, listen, here, come here. He was, was an older, was older gentleman. I'd be like, have a seat. I got something I want to talk to you about. And they're not real. So your mom. Yeah. And oh, as man. far as like, the, as far as the Bear Grease Hall of Fame, <laughs> as far as episodes, I think that's the first one. Really? You, you, you're saying you liked it the best? Well, I just think that all the ripples that that worked its way, it was really like identifying like yeah. the trajectory of it. There were some things I would have done different in the sequence of storytelling. That's what I heard. When I heard it, 
I was delightfully, I, I'm really nervous about going back and listening to old stuff, even like from three weeks ago. For real, <laughs> Because I, I hear stuff and I wish I did it different. It, it, the podcast was good. I, I should have told Scott's stuff way up closer to the front. And now I don't have as long of interview. Like I talked to Myron for like 30 minutes, kind of like nonstop almost. Like we pretty much don't do that anymore. I feel like you don't talk as much like inside of the interviews. You give the sound bites to the yeah, people. Yeah, I quit you more. I, I, yep, you know, you're right. I do. I try to. Trim the I ask people a question, here. but then I trim out my question, and I, it's all about an efficient listen. Yeah, because right. I mean, I think you cover two hours worth of content and one hour's worth of media when you listen to a good bear grease, <laughs> and uh, it's and that's one way I've made it more mm-hmm. efficient. Is that create I'll, context with the yeah so good yeah. point good point josh the older i get the more i believe what i think i believe and so i'm all for confirmation bias you just for it i'm yeah i'm 100 percent confirmation bias <laughs> yeah i mean i want to believe what i want to believe hey, Bear, why not so my dad i grew up with a dad who believed in black panthers you grew up with a You're dad a skeptic that didn't well i'll be honest i think before the first time i actually listened to the podcast i thought that like you could see a black panther oh you did yeah i think it's because i spent too much time around (laughs) (laughs) the believer too much too much time around the believer (laughs) Mm. well (laughs) any other comments misty gary just uh, I enjoyed it more the second time. I think well, there's a lot of mountain lions around. We just don't see them. But it was I was surprised when he said they're not as secretive as we. Uh, yeah, uh, as that we was think. a very good point. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that because I hunted a remote area for a long time, and I used to envision mountain lions up in trees. I don't know if I'd read a book or what, but. <laughs> I thought, you know, back you far back one. as I am, <laughs> I could be lunch for one of these guys, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it, you know, I've thought about it so much. It's almost like I saw a mountain lion, but I, I didn't. You know what I mean? It's like I was aware that there were mountain lions in that area. Living rent free Or at least I thought. Head. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were anyway, but yeah. So. I just, I agree with Josh. I'm just thinking about what he said. I don't feel like I have a strong enough opinion about mountain lions specifically, but yeah, I'm for confirmation bias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life do. with confirmation bias is just a little more fun than reality. Well, I just think yep. I think that no, that's not what I'm saying. I just think that some of what it's kind of taken in what what Bear Bear John said too. You know, there's times where he's, if you were to say, was Bear in the woods by you, or you know, was he hiding in the woods? Was a lion in the woods? No, Bear was talking about like there are people that have walked right by him that oh, don't oh, know he's right, been right sure. there. Oh. And if you ask those people, they would say absolutely not, and they would be wrong. Right, they'd be wrong. I see the point. And I'm just saying, <laughs> if you could say it more efficiently than me, I'm kind of I can no, tell like no, Clay's struggling it. a little bit. But no, that's that's it. And I, I I'm not saying I've never said there is a breeding population of mountain lions in Arkansas. I happen to be at a place, two different places, as the crow flies. 80 miles apart where I saw with my own eyeballs two mountain lions. Neither one were black. That's all I'm saying. But eventually there will be a breeding population. 
I mean, even I'd just say, with what yeah. Myron said. I would think so, yeah. And, yeah. and you got to be open to that. All these skeptics have to be open to, I mean, someone is going to say one day, I saw this, and you're going to have to believe them. It's going to yeah. be true. Yeah. And if you, you can is. be just as blind by your skepticism as you can by your belief. Boom, there it is. That was good. <laughs> you can be just as blind by your skepticism as those who are blinded by their own confirmation bias living outside of reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm all for it, man. I I want I want there to be a breeding population of mountain lions in Arkansas, and I think there will be as long as deer populations remain stable. I mean, I think you know there was you you talked to so many guys that were like, man, when I was a kid, there were no deer here, there were no turkeys here, and today there's a ton of deer, a ton of turkeys. There were no elk. Now there's elk. I mean, in our lifetime, there could be there could be mountain lions all over the east. Well, thank you guys so much. Merry Christmas. Merry I wish Christmas. you could have Merry some Christmas. of these cookies that Juju bought at Sam's. I would actually uh, like put one on of those a plate. They're yeah, very good. And, and that did Juju she really put buy on them a plate. Sam's? She did. Yeah, and yeah. put them on a plate and covered <laughs> them in plastic. That was the first that was the first thing she told us. Juju. <laughs> it was like too much information, Juju. Just yeah. you know, it's, it's okay. Just Here's we don't do. care. God bless. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order.